You are now listening to Discover Your Potential with renowned radio talk show host and certified holistic practitioner, Cindy Gilman. So listen, participate, be inspired. Know that you can discover your potential. Here she is, Cindy Gilman. Well, hello. Hello and happy November. We uh, got through October okay, in spite of everything. And uh, those of us who are here in New England, we had our first taste of winter. We had our first snowfall this week. I can't believe it. Snow in October. But uh, that's New England. So, last program, I asked those of you who are listeners if there was anything specific you'd like me to talk about or subjects you'd like to cover. And I got calls at the office saying, well, why don't you talk about what's going on now? Why don't you talk about the pandemic? Why don't you talk about the election? Why don't you talk about businesses that are closing? Well, those of you who know me know that, first of all, I do not discuss politics on the air. And uh, we'll have to wait until this week to see what is going to happen. And there's certainly a lot going on with that. And I guess uh, COVID is making a uh, a second round and uh, maybe coming out to take a second bow. And it's... Uh, it seems not to be just in one area, but worldwide. So I hope all of you are staying safe, wearing your masks to certain places, keeping your distance, washing your hands. Um, and uh, we'll get through this. We will get through this. We're all connected. And... Uh, so, if you'd like to call in today, our phone number is 888-627-6008, and uh, we are blessed. The producers of WBBS, Doug and Don, who kind of keep me on track, and uh, they're always here. And if you call in, Doug will, you'll hear his melodious voice. I always love when he says hi. Hi, Doug. Hi, Cindy. Thank you. <laughs> You're so kind. I appreciate you I very much. I just love your voice. You, you really, you've got the broadcasting voice. Oh, I love that. Thank you. So there's so much going on right now. I know people are stressed out. People are anxious. People are depressed. But, you know, we have to. We have to keep a positive attitude. It's so important. If you let yourself slide into this it, it's and let it take over your life, it's not. It's, it's not good, and it's not fun. So let me read something inspirational, and then I'm going to introduce our wonderful guest for today. No matter what you do, don't ever stop believing in better times and brighter days. There are too many possibilities too many opportunities, and too many dreams to ever lose hope. When times are bad, they can only get better. When things are okay, with a little encouragement, you can help them stay that way. And the horizon of tomorrow may hold surprises that will make things better than you ever imagined. So don't give up hope. And don't ever stop believing in the things that you can do. It could be that one of your dreams is just waiting 
right around the corner. So make it come true. You can do it. I believe in you. I know it's a tough time. And that's why I invited our guest for today. People always ask me, well, when you need some cheering up or when you need someone, who do you talk to? And our guest today is the person I can go to. He is a licensed individual marriage and family therapist. He specializes in intimacy. He is certified in so many areas. I'll let him tell you all of the different things that he has done, is doing. He's a published author, a film producer. As I mentioned, he works on individual couples and family therapy. And at this time, when so many people are going through anxiety, depression, there are so many things that it triggers, whether it's abuse. I know there's a rise in domestic violence. And I just want to tell any of you, if you're going through a difficult time or in a relationship that's abusive, please have the courage to go to someone and talk to someone. Very often when we're going through a difficult time, if you've been through past trauma or abuse, it may trigger some of the symptoms that you're dealing with. So, first of all, I want to thank all the first responders, the doctors, the therapists, the nurses, the people that work with the public. And here's someone who I know has so many answers for you. Let me introduce not only someone I truly believe in, but someone who is my cousin, Stephen Braveman. Welcome, Stephen. Well, thank you, Cindy. Thank you for that introduction. I was uh, struck as I'm listening to you speak about the message of don't give up hope, and that that actually epitomizes all the work I do, because if I believed there was no hope, I would stop working. You can't be a therapist. You can't be a sex therapist. You can't work with trauma, with first responders. You can't work with people in pain who have been abused unless if you believe in hope. Hope is truly the cornerstone of change, and that's what a therapist seek is change, and that's what all you listeners, I hope, are seeking too, is to either hold on to your hope or find some hope. I think we're going to make that the word of the week, hope. We so, all Cindy, you, uh, you gave me a little bit of an introduction, and uh, I know that we had talked that my credentials are so long and so extensive, <laughs> and my titles are so long and so extensive that it was very hard to find the words to, to come up with to introduce me. So uh, maybe for you listeners, if I can just say... In a nutshell, I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist, so what people think of as a psychotherapist. I'm a certified diplomate of sex therapy and a certified supervisor of sex therapy, which means I am a highly specialized person in a national field that's very small. Uh, Those of us who work with sexuality, sexual abuse, sexual trauma, sexual issues, sexual research, gender... Um, and basically anything you can think of that has to do with sex, gender, or intimacy. I teach uh, sacred intimacy, sacred sexuality. Sometimes we uh, call it Tantra. I am a published author of the book CPR for Your Sex Life, 
how to breathe life into a dead, dying, or dull sex life. And yeah. yes, I do have my specialties within specialties. I'm best known for my work with um, people who have been sexually abused as children, especially mm-hmm. guys. I uh, pioneered that work years ago, and we did a documentary called Boyhood Shadows, which has to do with guys who have been sexually abused as children and their loved ones. Katie Kirk is a guest, uh, does a guest appearance at, and Oprah did two shows on. So, well, I also I'm a kink specialist. I'm a domestic violence specialist. I'm a university professor. It's the sexual abuse, the gender work, my extensive, long, long time work working with transgendered people and pioneering that work that I'm best known for. And almost everything I do, especially today, has to do with trauma because growing up gay or lesbian or bi or transgendered in America meant for a lot of people trauma. Dealing with the political climate, dealing with the environmental damage in our world, dealing with COVID, this all spells trauma. Being stuck at home for many of us for months at a time with ones you love spells trauma. And so definitely a lot of my work is dealt with um, people's trauma of all kinds. A lot of times when you say sexual abuse is a child, people, a lot of people don't understand that there are many males that go through sexual abuse as youngsters. They think of it as a female problem. That's but right. So Matter of many... fact, a lot of the work that I've done has been to debunk the myth that it's only females and that right. males cannot be sexually abused. And one way to see that is think of a little child and think of a grown adult. So when I ask little kids, little boys especially, um, what do they know about sexual abuse? Little boys quite often raise their hand and they say, I know, Dr. Braveman, I know. What's that? Well, I can't be sexually abused because if somebody tried to touch me, I'd give them a karate chop. And yeah. I'd say, do you know karate? And they go, no. So yeah. let's see, you're six years old, you don't know how to protect yourself, and you're at the hands of somebody you're supposed to trust who's much bigger and older and conniving. Yeah. And it's also a myth that guys can't be sexually abused by women. Um, guys frequently are sexually abused by women. One example is a female babysitter who's experimenting, looking at a boy that he's, uh, she's babysitting. Another one that um, I've been in the news a lot about over the years is the high school football or basketball or baseball star whose female teacher decides he, she wants to be sexual with him. And he thinks at first, well, this is cool. After all, I'm 16, 17. Well, he's a teenager. That's against the law. That's a form of sexual abuse. So a lot of my career has been spent debunking these myths about male sexual abuse. Right. And, you know, do you find that females are more apt to get immediate help and that males may feel ashamed and and wait until their problem really manifests in different ways? Absolutely. Well, we know that a lot of women don't come forward either to report to child molestation or rape and for various reasons. And one is that, unfortunately, still today, a lot of women are put through the the ringers if they report abuse. People try to blame them for, for being in the wrong place at the wrong time or picking the wrong boyfriend or something like that. Or they don't believe them. They don't believe them. But for guys, we find that it's even worse. Most guys will never report that they've been sexually abused. And if they do, it really is that they have to get, as we say in 12-step programs, sick and tired of being sick and tired. Typically, a guy who's molested as a kid will go through phases as a young adult, denying it, bothering them, and yet he's turning to drugs alcohol, self-defeating patterns, or the flip side, overachievement, like trying to run for president or something, something amazingly big. But either way, and the drugs and alcohol is clearly the, the majority of them, it's a way of distracting from what truly happened. 
years you find, go too, by. that they keep acting out the abuse with other people? No, that's the biggest damaging myth that people hold about guys who have been sexually abused. We mm-hmm. call that the vampire syndrome, sort of okay. like Count Dracula. Huh. Last night was Halloween. A lot of people probably thought of Count Dracula. Count Dracula bit his victims, then the victims became vampires and went on to bite others. So we call that the vampire syndrome. That is completely false. 99.9% of guys who are sexually abused as kids never, ever harm a child, partly because they know the damage that it can cause. But unfortunately, while other people believe that and they may not um, partner up with them, they may not have children with them, guys who have been abused frequently believe that as well. And so they fear having children. They fear working with children, even though they would probably be great teachers, great fathers. Um, they, They just hide in fear. Because they're afraid they'll become an abuser? That's right. Right. Yeah. And is there a genetic factor there? There is no genetic factor. When it comes to what is a sexual predator like, what are the profiles? For years, people said, well, we can't profile them. Why? Well, because sexual predators can be black, they can be white. They can be rich, they can be poor, they can be Jewish, they could be Catholic, they could be... Okay, that's true. But we do have a way of profiling them anyways. And one way is profiling them is to see that there's a continuum of kinds of people who will sexually abuse a child. On a, on a milder side, it's usually a child who doesn't know any better. They're naively experimenting, thinking, oh, well, we're in love and we'll... When we get older, we'll play and we'll get married, and maybe they're like six years old at that time. And when they find out that it's wrong, they stop the abuse right away. Then on the absolute flip side of that is the extreme sociopathic person. This is a person who, yeah, they'll molest a child. They'll rape and kill a grandparent. They will rob a bank. They will do anything because they're mad at society and they feel that society has screwed them, they're going to screw them back. In between are mentally ill people who don't really don't know what they're doing during the phase that they're mentally ill, developmentally disabled people with low IQ who don't know better than to not do this, and a few others. So we do have some profiles, but genetics does not play into it whatsoever, nor does political leaning. Right. People molest kids, whether they're a Democrat or a Republican, whether they vote or they don't vote. It doesn't matter. But often the abuser is someone they know and trust. The abuser is usually someone they know and they trust. Yes, once in a while somebody grabs somebody out of the bushes, um, kind of like what we call the boogeyman who just grabs you, has their way, and runs off. But that's extremely rare. If the abuser is usually a parent, a sibling, a grandparent, a cousin, uh, aunt, an uncle, a teacher, a babysitter, a friend, a friend's parent. It's usually somebody they they know. And that's one reason why most sexual abuse of children is not done in a violent way, it's done in what we call a coercive way, where maybe the adult or older child convinces the child, the victim, to go along with it because, oh, it's a game, or, oh, they're special, or, oh, they're going to buy them a special gift. People who love each other do this. Yeah. That's why sometimes we have to teach kids it's okay to love mommy or daddy but hate what they did to you. Yeah. So, in dealing with what people are experiencing now, all this fear, anxiety, stress, uh, depression, because of everything that's going on in the world, not just here, not just in this country, but worldwide, a lot of people have lost their businesses, they're out of work, they don't know what's going to happen. 
let's let's try to focus in on how we can help in some way. And some people don't even notice within themselves that they're experiencing this. A lot of people don't know that they're experiencing trauma, and we'll have to point it out to them. So if somebody says to me, well, geez, you know, God, Dr. Braveman, I'm drinking a lot. I've started using drugs. I've mm-hmm. taken uh, a razor blade and started cutting myself. I'm fighting. Mm-hmm. I'm yelling at the kids unfairly. I'm beating up my dog, and I feel so like I'm trapped in this house. I can't go anywhere. I'm mad all the time. I say, oh, it sounds like maybe you have a little COVID cabin fever, a little, um, you know, trauma going on. No, what do you mean? What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, obviously they do. Um, to help people, uh, as a therapist, of course, I help people by people speaking to me, and I speak with them, and I listen, and I provide empathy, and I provide warmth, and I provide reality checks. I do point out, for example if they are having a problem when they don't think they're having a problem. But, you know, I'm I'm quite aware that your listeners are listening to this show because you're a psychic, and they are interested in psychic energy, psychic phenomenon. Um, And one of the things, too, that we have to do as psychotherapists is honor the spiritual honor the intuitive sides to people and help them see that there's more to life than just the trauma they're in. Right. If somebody calls you, they're probably calling in and asking, well, you know, Cindy, can you please tell me my future? No, well, most of the as, people that call me, because I'm a spiritual medium, they want to connect with their loved ones that have passed on. Uh Well, I think that is a wonderful thing because if people connect with their heritage, whether it be their loved ones who passed on or with their culture that they've come from or their religion or or just the tribal feeling that they have from, from others, that connection is what's so important. Trauma is usually caused by the lack of connection, the loss of connection. So if somebody feels connected and all of a sudden they feel unconnected, all of a sudden, they've lost their job. They lost their family. Um, one of the things is in the uh, two days before the election, I'm not going to tell you voted who to vote for, but I will mention that families have been ripped apart the last few years over politics in this country. And right. with Thanksgiving coming up, maybe because we'll be post the uh, uh, presidential election, maybe this year will be better. Maybe people will go, okay, enough, no. God, we right. last year we fought over the politics. We couldn't get along. Right. Well, this year with trauma of COVID and all, maybe we can have a reconnection with loved ones. I that hope so. Otherwise, certain legs are going to get thrown at each other. <laughs> and worse, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, actually, you're vegan, so a turkey leg isn't going to go flying. No, but a frozen toe turkey could fly across the room and hit me in the head. A frozen what? Tofurkey. It's a oh, fake, a tofu fake tur- turkey. Tofu turkey. That's right. Tofu uh-huh. turkey. Yeah. But the hope. So right now, I think people have to be hopeful that somehow we're going to move out of this trauma. And if they can't see that hope, then maybe they can get that hope from speaking to you, from speaking to a therapist. Um, somehow, though, we've got to instill, yeah, there's a brighter future down the way. And odds are you had a brighter path, so this is just a dark moment, and we can get you through it. How I've read a lot and worked with some people on helping them to heal their inner child. Do you do inner child work with people as well? Absolutely. One of the first things I do, though, when I do inner child work is I explain to people, we are not talking about an actual being living inside you. This is a metaphor. This is a a psychological construct, Um, especially with Men in Black years ago, the movie that came out 
when the person opened up their head and there was a little person living inside them. No, 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 no. This is connecting with a part. So people under, um, know the term quite often, multiple personality disorder. And there is actually no such thing as multiple personality disorder. I was going to say, that, that's very, very rare. That's very, well, that's also obsolete now. We, we don't consider it such. What we see it as instead is a fractioned personality, somebody who has walled off portions of their personality, but it's all part of the same being. It's actually not separate beings. And trauma quite often can cause that. So one of the things we do, like with uh, most adults who have been abused as children, have see themselves as being at least three different kinds of lives in the same lifetime. One is pre, pre-abuse, one is the abused person, another one is the post-abused person, and then this vague, maybe someday I'll be healed person. And one of the jobs that we do is to try to help people integrate their different parts. This is right. one life. And during this one life, you've had different parts. One way to do that is by doing what I call non-dominant, non-dominant handwriting exercises. Uh Very easy to do. Most people can do this. So what you do is you take a piece of paper and a pen or a pencil or a crayon. Okay, listeners, I hope you're going to do this. Take your right hand if you're right-handed. Take your left hand if you're left-handed, your dominant hand. And Mm -hmm. with the writing utensil in your dominant hand, close your eyes for a moment and think of the wounded child you were, and that that wounded child is somewhere inside you. Mm-hmm. Now you open your eyes and you write a brief introduction between the a grown adult you and that wounded child you, like something like, um, hello, inner child, um, I know you're in there somewhere, I've not been paying attention to you, I'd like to have a conversation, are you willing to talk to me? And then close your eyes, mm-hmm. take the writing utensil and put it in your other hand uh-huh. and visualize in your mind the wounded child inside receiving that message from the adult. Mm-hmm. Then open your eyes and with your non-dominant hand, don't worry about how it looks, go ahead and write a message back to your adult you. Quite often it's like, hi, I'm here. What do you want? Or I'm afraid to come out. What? Why are you bothering me? Something like that. Then, so how do you help eyes. them come out? Well, so this is how they do it: is bit at a time, starting a conversation between mm-hmm. child and adult. So, if you're an adult listening to this show, maybe you have a child, or maybe you know a child, and you think, "Geez, this child's been wounded. How are you going to help this child?" Maybe you go, right. hi, hi, can I, can I talk to you? Can we start a conversation? Maybe would you like to play a game or something? And then the child will respond, and you have a dialogue back and forth. And then you thank the child for whatever little bit you get. Then you do it again, maybe another day, maybe another week. Mm-hmm. In therapy, quite often people come back a week later, we do this again, we do this again, until they get the hang of it and they do it as homework. And then after a while, usually within a couple months, they really feel like they, as the grown adult, they can help heal their own inner wounded child and that there is a dialogue going on. And it's a very helpful tool. It's not everything, but it is no, a but very, very like helpful it's a, tool. but it sounds like it's a great step to open up. Yeah, And then they can absolutely. take... They can take the hand of whether it's the wounded child or the adult and take them by the hand and become one with them. Yes. Because they all want the adult part of themselves to to take that child with them. They can't they can't change what happened. That's reality. That's right. All they can do and I don't say that in a minimum way. 
But what we can do is offer that child a protection that it's not going to happen again and that we're there to take care of them. Yes, absolutely. Now, I know that you also wanted to talk about animal, uh, plant-based diet. Right. I'm, I'm I'm still working on the anxiety and depression and sadness and confusion. So before before we get into the plant-based diet, what would you suggest to people if they're not in therapy right now? What well, can absolutely. they do? Of course, getting into therapy is a really wonderful idea. We have a mental health crisis in this country and therapy can help most people. But therapy is not for everybody, and not everybody's ready for therapy. So taking some the, steps forward before you find a therapist. The other thing is I tell people when you're seeking out a therapy, a therapist, you're interviewing them. Do you feel a connection and trust that person? That's right. And I think that's important because if they're dealing with who's the writer that wrote Family Secrets? Uh, was it John Bradshaw? Sounds familiar. Bradshaw uh-huh. wrote Family Secrets. Very often, those secrets are so hidden. Uh, what are some of the ways manifest that manifest from uh, people who are such wounded children? Well, definitely depression, anxiety, aggravated depression, where people seem to feel unhappy all the time, but yet they're snappy at people. They're mad. They feel cheated. Turning to drugs and alcohol are true signs that something's wrong. There's no doubt about that. And that includes in this day and age of legalized marijuana, where we say, okay, it's a recreational drug. Well, alcohol is a recreational drug. But it's how you use it and when you use it. If you are drowning your sorrows in anything, whether it be food, alcohol, drugs, gambling, sex, whatever it is, If you're numbing out, you're covering up something, something that's not right. And it's very, very important that you start to address that. Addressing that quite often, coming to a holistic healer like myself, means that, yeah, we do psychotherapy. We talk. We talk about the trauma. We work on changing behaviors. But it also means how are you taking care of your body? Obviously, if you stop drinking or drugging or eating the wrong foods, These things are very, very important for your body, very important for your health. If you just drink more water, your mental health will improve. Well, also exercise. And right now, a lot of people have stopped exercising because they're going, wait, wait, I'm afraid I can't go out there. There's COVID. Well, yes, there is COVID, but you're not going to get COVID if you're out for a walk or a run by yourself. Right. You're not going to get COVID if you're out bicycle riding and you don't get too close to people. There's lots of ways to get your exercise and stimulate the endorphins. You also want to watch out for depressive types of things on TV or if you're streaming Netflix, um, Hulu, anything that you're watching, uh, YouTube. Stay away from the trauma. Stay away from the violence. Stay away and there's from so the much terrible things. There's a terrible amount of it. Um, people are watching cases about stories about murder and rape and, and, and um, spies killing each other. And it, it's horrendous. Take a break from it. Take a break from the news. Watch now, a I know comedy. What's that? Watch a comedy. 
Yes, watch a comedy. Now, I know, two days away from the biggest election we've had in years, people want to know the news. Okay, but watch only so much. If in the next week you watch 24-7 news, Uh. it's going to be depressing no matter who wins. It doesn't matter. It's too much. So take five minutes, ten minutes, take a look at the news so you know what's going on, and then do something else. Watch a comedy. Um... Get involved in arts and crafts, drama. Um, do something. Go play. Get some exercise. Bake. What's that Billy Crystal things? movie? What is it? Six hundred Sundays or seven hundred Sundays? Uh, that one I don't know. But I was going to say that with COVID and quarantine at home, one of the things I did was I had to stay home for for months um, and move my office home. So I'm right. stuck in in this house a lot. And I took right. up baking things that I never baked, do a lot more gardening than before, growing vegetables in the yard. Um, mm-hmm. There's a ton of things. I, I was a, amazed at first how all the guys in my block were all out mowing lawns and painting, the, fixing the roofs and doing, doing all the repairs we never had time for. Wow. you got to take care of yourself. That's very, very important. Do you find that people who have gone through severe abuse, and I believe all sexual abuse, any type of sexual abuse is abuse, and it has its its effects, but have you seen a connection with eating disorders and sexual abuse? Eating disorders is extremely connected to sexual abuse issues. Absolutely. There's no doubt about that. We've known that for a long time, that if you go to an eating disorder center, 99% of the people there have been sexually abused. Yeah. Yeah. I recently got a call from a physician whose office asked me, would you do um, a couple of hypnosis sessions with someone who is anorexic? And I thought, you know what, the medical profession doesn't really understand the depth of anorexia. You can't Mm -hmm. just heal anorexia with two hypnosis sessions. That's right. Plus the fact that if someone has, well, first of all, it won't work. Second of all, these people, they needed, they needed a certified psychotherapist because if you're doing a meditation or a hypnosis session, it's going to bring up the triggers to help to make people remember the abuse that they went through. Yes, definitely. Yeah, as far as hypnosis goes, too, in my field, we have a general um, perspective that we don't do hypnosis for people who are looking to remember what happened to them. Exactly. If people don't have memories, we don't go searching for memories because of what we call the false memory syndrome. Right. If you want it and the therapist wants it, oh, you'll create some kind of memory, but it most likely won't be true memory. And it won't be helpful to them. Won't be helpful whatsoever. Absolutely not. Now, once we identify trauma, doing some hypnosis to help relieve the symptoms of it can be very helpful. But not now, again. What would not you say the symptoms for. are of trauma? Mm-hmm. Well, definitely, as we've said several times already today, uh, depression and anxiety, but also fear. Isolation, a sense of not belonging, um, depersonalization and derealization. Depersonalization where they feel like they are not real, where they're walking around in the world and you just don't, you're not really you. You you don't exist. The world does, but you don't. Derealization. They they don't feel connected with their spirit, mind, and body. That's right. Absolutely. And about connection, this is a common thing for trauma. How can you really feel alone 
on a planet with about 8 billion people and many, many more animals in a solar system that's just a teeny speck of something much, much, much bigger. How can you feel alone? Well, trauma helps people feel alone. They feel like they're the only one. Well, quite often with kids, if you're looking at a child wondering, hmm, is this child okay? One thing that happens to kids who have been abused is they grow up too quickly, to use a common phrase. What happens is they shut down their childhood. So they don't want to engage in play with with their peer group anymore. Why? Because what good is playing in a sandbox or playing on a playground, playing, you know, hopscotch or something like that when you've been having adult interaction sex? It, it just doesn't make sense. And kids think they're the only ones, so they don't speak to anybody. And, of course, any kind of self-destruct destructive behavior. One thing that we have in our country is a overload of children who are considered bad children, hyperactive children, out of control children. And when we look at why are these kids behaving like this, most of the time it's because they've been abused. And abuse comes in a lot of forms. A lot of forms. It can be, of course it can be the sexual abuse can be physical abuse, it can be neglect, it can be emotional abuse. If you're living in a situation where people are constantly saying, well, you're stupid, you're stupid, you're stupid. Well, people are, these kids are going to grow up thinking, I'm stupid. Yep. Or you're clumsy, you're clumsy, you're clumsy. And they're the ones who end up being a klutz and being clumsy. Yep. And somehow that has to shift. Yes. So I'd like to say something back to hope and shift. Okay. So in my career, a lot of people, you know, they they feel very hopeless. It's like, geez, how how can things ever get better? This world sucks. Well, you know, there are problems in the world. There's no doubt about that. But I've been in this field long enough to actually see changes. I've seen the the instances of rape in America go down, not up, go down. I've seen perpetrators get caught at a much higher rate, not mm-hmm. less. They're not getting away with it more. We're catching them more. Okay? We are educating people. Teenagers um, quite often are, are now learning about sexual inappropriateness with each other, how to ask for permission, get permission, don't just assume. And so kids are behaving themselves better. They're being more responsible. And I I think if we continue to be hopeful and we look for positive responsiveness, then this planet can turn around its problems. And why? Because we already are. We're already working on them. Yeah, we got some new ones. But people need to be hopeful. We've gone through much worse times than this. This is not our first pandemic. This is not the first time people have been trapped at home and feeling isolated and cutting themselves off from the rest of the world. The other thing that I wanted to uh, bring up We have seen more domestic violence and young people who are feeling suicidal. Are you there? Yes, I'm here. Uh huh. Just listening to your thing. So, for those people who are feeling hopeless, who are feeling suicidal, who are, how can we help them shift? One of the very first things people can do is visualize the shift. Visualize being better. Maybe saying to themselves, okay, just because I don't have everything I want today doesn't mean I won't ever have it. Just because I'm in a bad situation now 
doesn't mean I'll be in a bad situation forever. But another thing is you've got to remember there's help out there. Ask for help, call for help, get help, receive help, accept help, and if necessary, demand help. And I want to say about that last one, demand help. I am a gender specialist. I work a lot with LGBTQ plus right. population. And historically, police have laughed when there's been a call of domestic violence and they see two men. Or they laugh when they've seen two women. They say, ah, they're just queers. Ah, they're just having fun. Ah, they're uh. just playing. And this is a travesty. So I've had to fight hard locally to get police agencies to understand that just because somebody's gay doesn't mean it's a game. You've got to take right. it seriously. And if you are gay, lesbian, bi, trans, and you are being abused, speak up. And if you don't get results from the police, talk to the police chief. If you don't get results from the police chief, go higher. We have had to sometimes go as far as the governor to get justice to be served once in a while in a case here in California, and I'm sure that's the case in other states. But it's not okay to be turned away. I've had patients who have got up enough nerve to go to the police station, make a pl- ask for a report that they want to make a police report about being assaulted, let's say beat up because they're walking down the street and somebody thought, oh, they look wrong because they look queer or something, that somehow this was wrong to them. So they beat this person up. And this person finally goes into the police station and the police officer looks at them and laughs and rips up the report. This is not okay. In cases like that, you got to go back, demand to speak to the police chief, demand to speak to a higher person, and get justice. Many states have what we have here in California. We have here, the it's called the Victims of Crime Compensation Program. And mm-hmm. if you're victimized by a legitimate crime in California, then you can apply for this, and the program pays for therapy. So we accept this, one of the few insurances we accept. Somebody is molested, somebody's raped, somebody's battered and beat up, and they come to us, and it doesn't matter they don't have money. They can get up about a year's worth of free therapy from a, a trauma specialist by doing this. Uh, I think a lot, of, a lot of people are confused about the, the term transgender. Does that mean uh-huh. that they are uh, cross-dressers? Does that mean that they truly believe that the way they dress or appear, it's because, well, let's say it's a male soul in a female body. Uh-huh. How would you define a transgender person? Well, transgender is what we call an umbrella term. So that means it's a catch-all for several different things. One of the things that falls under the trans umbrella, transgender umbrella, is what most people would call a transsexual. And a transsexual is somebody who definitely feels like they are not of the gender that was given to them at birth. Their genitals may match up with a certain gender, but they don't relate to that gender. They may see themselves that they have female genitalia, but they are a male, or they are gender neutral. There's something in between. And people who identify in this way, which, again, commonly called transsexuals, need to go through hormone therapy. They need to go through surgeries. They need to go through legal uh, means to truly change their gender identity completely. Then, under the trans umbrella, though, are also cross-dressers. And cross-dressers may be a man who goes to work as a construction worker and wears women's laundry underneath his um, jeans and work shirt. Or could be a guy who comes home from work and typical macho-type guy throws his feet up on the table turns on the uh, tube to watch the game and breaks open a beer, but likes doing it while sitting in a a dress or a nightie. Mm -hmm. Then we also have what we call the performers. 
performers are people who are considered um, drag queens or drag kings sometimes. Right. They are male personators, female personators. These are people who are truly doing it because they are performing, and maybe there's a part of them that feels right about that. Um, under the transgender umbrella is also a term called intersex conditions, and there's 3,000 known intersex conditions that children can be born with. These are literally bigger, uh, literally medical birth defects, where somebody is born maybe with three breasts rather than two. Somebody is born with a penis and testicles, but they also have a uterus, or somebody has a... a vulva and vagina, but they also have testicles. Okay. Mm. Very, very common, actually. And really? this falls under that trans... Oh, yeah. So one out of 3,000 kids are born with a transgender condition, as opposed to uh, uh, intersex condition, I'm sorry, an intersex condition, where when it comes to transsexualism, we think it's one out of 100,000. Yeah, so people are born with these conditions a lot. Quite often what happens is somebody comes in my office and maybe they look like a woman, they have breasts, they have a vagina, they have all that, they see themselves as a woman, but their their beard has grown in and their voice is deep and they can't understand what the heck's going on. Well, when we put them through the right exam, we find, oh, guess what, internally... They have testicles that never descended, and while everything else is female, these testicles are driving the testosterone too high, and so that's a birth defect. Clearly, something so something now, went wrong. Do many of them have to go through the surgery? It depends on how it affects them and how they feel about it. So, if they're having pain. If they're having unexplained abdominal pain that's severe, right. and we find, oh, it's because you've got a, a, a sexual organ there inside that doesn't belong, then well, surgery is usually the case. But right. quite often in those cases, that's the only thing we need to do is remove the organ that doesn't belong. Um, most people who are intersex um, usually are happy with just finding peace that, oh, that explains it. Okay, I guess I'll shave or, okay, I guess I'll, I'll maybe have a, a slight change in my gender presentation. Um, it usually doesn't negatively impact people um, in that the most common intersex condition is a boy born with a teeny, teeny penis or a girl born with a, such a large tip of the clitoris that the doctors look at these kids and they say, oh, my God, something's wrong. They'll never make it in life. Doctors used to, on their own, without telling the parents, without permission, would alter the child's genitals so that the parent never knew and nobody knew. Well, as the child grew up and realized, wait a minute, I'm a girl. Why do I have a penis? Or I'm right. a boy. Why do I have a vagina? Um, they got very upset and started suing like crazy. And we've had to work hard to educate the medical condition not to do that. And talking about so, child abuse, that's clearly a form of child abuse. We also, we were going to talk, and I, I'm, I'm sorry if I've changed the subject so drastically because we only have a little bit of time left. We were going to talk about plant-based diets. Now, I know that you're vegan. You're a vegan vegetarian. No, I'm a vegan. I'm a strict vegan. And, strict um, vegan. First a, yeah. First thing is so okay. So, what that is the we, difference between vegan class. and vegetarian? Vegan means that I don't eat any animal products whatsoever. None whatsoever. One of the most common things that people miss is if you buy vitamins and their vegetarian vitamins, the gel cap that they come in quite mm -hmm. often is made out of horse hoof. So I insist, no, 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 I won't eat horse hoof. That's part of an animal. I'm not going to eat that. And mm -hmm. so I get vegan, non-animal-based. It has to have no animal product in whatsoever. Now, vegetarians usually will not eat meat, fish, poultry, chicken, pork, seafood, 
but they will eat eggs and cheese and milk products. So my diet includes no eggs, no cheese, no milk products whatsoever. Um, very, very strict about that. And there's probably four good reasons why. Okay. Um, besides the fact, uh, it's not because it's a popular thing right now and good for the environment, which it is true. Those things are true. But I've been a vegan most of my life, and one of the reasons is I probably have the right kind of blood type. So mm-hmm. while it's been questioned whether or not this is accurate or not, we do find that those of us in the world who are part of the one, 0.1% of the world are vegan like me, that most of us have a type A blood type. Mm-hmm. Now, also, in addition, though, I never liked really the meat. I always felt better eating vegetables. And then another part of it, too, is that while I did not become a vegan because of spiritual reasons, it feels better to me when I know I'm not eating animals. And I see animals. I live in a farm community right now, and I go running in the morning. I see pigs. I see chickens. I see cows. I see uh, uh, goats. I see all kinds of animals that Mm -hmm. clearly around here are being raised for human consumption. And Um, I think, I couldn't kill that thing. And if if most Americans had to kill what they ate, I think a lot more people would be vegan. Well, we have less than a minute to go. We didn't get in. Stephen, I'll have to have you on. We'll have to do a whole program on plant-based diets because so many people now are heading in that direction, but they don't know how to get there. If people want to get in touch with you, Is there a website or someplace in California where they can reach you? Absolutely. People can reach me regardless where they are. Our web address is, um, of course, www.isgcmonterey.net. And the ISGC stands for the Intimacy, Sexuality, and Gender Center. And it's of... Monterey there in the address. That's an old one. It's ISGC of California is our new title. Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. And if people contact us, they'll reach my wife, who is also the office manager, Wanda, who's also a published author. Um, She answers the phone. She's a patient advocate, and she helps people quite a bit get in the door. And when they come to our office, we have two Basset Hounds, Bob and Ellie, who work with us, they're psychiatric service animals, who I've mm-hmm. specifically trained to greet patients, to bring patients into the door, show them where to sit, and to be mm-hmm. very warm, fuzzy, and welcoming and loving. And they wow. look at everybody and they say, look, I don't care what you're here for, I love you and Daddy's going to fix you. Mm-hmm. And Stephen, thank you so much for today. For those of you who have missed part of this program or would like to tell your friends, loved ones, um, in a few days you can get the podcast on www.wdyp, which stands for Discover Your Potential, talkradio.com, and those of you who are regular listeners, Yes, I am doing phone sessions. You can arrange for them at cindy at cindygilman.com. Stephen, my cousin, my inspiration, I love you. Thank you for today. And we'll see you next time, everyone. Thanks, Doug, for a great job.